Star Trek podcast in which three nerds watch all of Star Trek in chronological order when I've been enduring it all for the very first time. My name is PJ Montgomery and I am joined as ever by Matt Troy. Hello. And our resident Trek first timer, Elliot Red. Hello, everybody. First of all, we need to apologize to everybody out there. We spent most of last week singing Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi during our cowboy episode because we thought it was the song, the song from Young Guns. It is not. The Bon Jovi song from that film was Blaze of Glory. So apologies, everybody. Do you know what? Do you know what? Fuck you all. I'm not apologizing. <laughs> I'm not apologizing to one single one of you. Like, that's about as much Bon Jovi as I could possibly handle, okay? Do you know, right, this is a bad thing. Well, I once ghosted someone on a dating site because they said they were going to go and see their Lord and Saviour, John Bon Jovi, in a gig that night. And I was like, just never going to speak to you again. <laughs> and she's listening today. Of course she's not. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's listening. <laughs> I know, Matt, I used to have a badge on my hat that said Matt Bellamy is God on it. The only Bellamy I care about is naturalist David Bellamy. (laughs) (laughs) I take offence religiously. (laughs) But yeah, at least it wasn't Bon Jovi. Like, I mean, fine, you can enjoy John Bon Jovi, but don't declare him like the fucking son of man. (laughs) Not fucking guy with a guitar, sex swing, as I've been led to believe in a song about his first real sex swing. That's all right. I also have a small apology, I guess, just because I felt like a bit of a grumpus last week. The heat got to me and it was an episode I didn't particularly like. And I, I, th- I think I was listening back to myself. I, f- I was a bit shouty, wasn't I? <laughs> I mean, you got ragged on accordingly, to be fair. So uh... <laughs> I'm fine with it. That's it. I think because we enjoyed the episode, the heat just made us weird and delirious. It made you properly angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and um, PJ, you have someone to apologise to as well. I think Long Division Nerd would appreciate. Um... <laughs> oh, fuck Long Division Nerd. <laughs> fuck that guy. Okay. Someone created that Twitter account this morning to troll me. I've checked. <laughs> fuck you, Long Division Nerd. Fuck you. I can promise you it wasn't me as well. I wasn't. I am not Long Division Nerd. I did. I have my you. suspicions. Yeah. I have my suspicions. The guys at Temporal Trek, I'm looking at you. <laughs> anyway, you have to fight that guy. Yeah. <laughs> guy. Oh, I'm not fighting anybody. I'm too tired. I got an idea. We could clone you and send your clone to be killed. <laughs> 
I mean, you've segued into the episode, but I wanted to discuss something else first. All oh, right, sorry, I'll just retract that. I'll say it a bit. If you okay, we'll, we'll do clones again in a second. So, I watched the documentary In Search of Tomorrow this past weekend, the five hour documentary about 80s sci fi movies that includes coverage of Star Trek 2, 3, and 4. One of the people they interview on this documentary is Matt Winstone, the son of legendary makeup and special effects guru Sam Winstone and founder of the uh, Sam Winstone School, which teaches kids about special effects and stuff. But I was watching him thinking, you look really fucking familiar, Matt Winstone. Why do you look so familiar? And then when people are being interviewed, they'll change the caption. So like Will Wheaton, it says actor Star Trek The Next Generation. And then later on, it will say actor Stand By Me. For Matt Winstone, it comes up with actor, Star Trek Enterprise. And I went, wait, who are you? Oh my fucking God, he's Crewman Daniels. No way. He is Crewman Daniels. No way. But he looks completely different now. He looks like a person. <laughs> what does he look like before? Well, Crewman Daniels. Ah. Slightly potato-y, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But, yeah, and he seems like a cool guy. Oh, well, fuck me. No, but I might fuck your clone. Which leads us into the episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the worst segue I've ever done, and I, I hate myself. Ooh, what about that segue that drove that man off a cliff? That's probably a worse segue, right? <laughs> but I had nothing to do with it, so <laughs> they couldn't prove it in court. But was it was it the segue, or did the man drive the segue off the cliff? Maybe it was a clone! Oh, the Segway or the man? I don't know, this bit's gone on for too long now. (laughs) Yeah, we need to talk about Star Trek. This week we're looking at Similitude, which was written by Manny Cotto, directed by LeVar Burton, and first aired on the 19th of November 2003. And we open in, like, the torpedo room, where there's loads of people, and Archer's giving a speech, and it's clearly a funeral, and Lisa straight away went, oh, is Malcolm dead? And then it showed Malcolm, and she went, ah, fuck. (laughs) Oh, poor Malcolm. He's not liked. So it basically goes, there's Malcolm, there's T'Pol, look, there's the helmsman, nobody knows his name, there's Hoshi, (laughs) there's Dr. Phlox, who haven't we shown yet? Oh my god! Trips in the coffin, which is a torpedo! (laughs) First things first, does anybody think that Manny Cotto sounds like something really delicious you could order off a menu? <laughs> Maybe. I'll have the Manny Cotto, please. Yes, I would like fries. <laughs> and second of all, yeah. Elliot, did you believe that Trip was dead? I mean, I, I don't think it matters whether I did or not, right? Because they're going to reset button it. But <laughs> it, I... I genuinely don't know if I believed he was there because I wasn't bothered because I knew they were going to reset it. I was far more interested in what the actual reason for this opener was going to be. And again, it was kind of like, they're doing a two weeks earlier thing again, but whatever. Let's just see what the plot of this episode is. That's correct. Like Sometimes watching Star Trek is like watching an episode of Columbo. You know who the killer is at the beginning, but you just have to kind of work out how we got there. And yeah. Yeah, especially for classic Star Trek up until Deep Space Nine, Obviously, we're going to mm. mostly reset at the end of each episode. So, yeah, just, just imagine it like Columbo, except not as interesting. But yet again, we have this somber funeral scene where it's like, oh, God, a main character's died. What's this? And then the jingly jangly theme tune ruining the moment. And it once yep. again, had it on like one and a quarter speed. And it is especially <laughs> jingly jangly. 
at one like more speed. In fact, I recommend that you just want, you can't really tell when you're watching the episode. It just gets a little bit more intense. But yeah, the, you, it really sticks out in the theme song. <laughs> the skip button genuinely doesn't come up fast enough. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to get the full experience, as I say often, because, you know, for the podcast, I like to be able to moan about the theme tune. <laughs> That's right. I'm usually like, rushing to watch this uh, you know lunchtime or before an episode or before i go to sleep so yeah or in the shower in the shower sometimes you got to take a shower elliot (laughs) elliot showers that's (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then we we leave the credits and it's two weeks earlier and i did go again because they've done that a lot this season yeah overusing it now enterprise come on come on yeah, like like I said, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, what 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 you got for me? Come on, what you got? And what they have for you is tripping to pole, massaging each other's feet. Oh God, <laughs> it's it's so weird. I mean, like they're they're both you know, reasonably attractive people, but I just I don't like the conceit. I don't like the the reason why this happens. You know, like I'm I'm fine with people being intimate in various ways on screen. It's fine. But this is just weird. It's kind of like, and this is my problem with it, right? It's like a weird nerd fantasy. Like, oh, she has yeah. to she may feet. Oh, eagle, even you know. You're That's exactly right. right. He's been ordered to massage his feet. There's that, and there's also the fact that I just don't believe this Vulcan would want to do this and would be so casual doing this and would just be so like, oh yeah, this is logical. It's like, no, Vulcans surely would be like, I'm not that fond of physical touch and like come up with reasons not to do this. I don't know. It just it just seems a little opposite of the character. I do think you're conflating Vulcans with cats, but <laughs> You said the pole was a cat. That's true, you did. I mean but not in that way. In a different. You way. said to think of her like a house cat who doesn't want to be touched but wants to be near humans. <laughs> That's literally what you said. What was that like a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. To be fair, every house cat I know is like, "Don't fucking touch me," and then sometimes will come up to you and go, "Now touch me." Yeah, now touch me. Yes, yep. yes. Give me the head scratches. Yes. Now fuck off and die. <laughs> yeah. Now I will hurt okay. you. Yeah. I think if the Paul like scratched him at the end of each session, I'd be okay with it. Right? <laughs> Just bit his finger. Or like, yeah. just stayed on a shelf, and then like Travis had to come with like a pole to get her down, and then went and did a <laughs> shit in the sandpit and buried it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they're trying to normalize this whole foot massage thing by having them discuss some work they could do on the warp core to make the ship faster, so they can cover the expanse quicker. And Paul's like, "Hey, that's a good idea. Now look at my boobs." <laughs> but also, it's like. You know, must not get aroused, must constantly talk about work whilst touching attractive co-worker. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. orders of boss. Yeah. She talked about some more advanced positions they could do as well. and <laughs> It's so fucking flimsy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it really is. But anyway, we, we, we go from there to the next day when they've made these modifications to the warp engine and they're testing going really fast for a long time and it all seems fine until everything goes on fire. Oh, yeah. And then all poo sticks to the hull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's the, the warp core goes on fire. The science station on the bridge for some reason goes on fire just behind Paul and she's like, there's a fire. 
and then doesn't react to it any further. So Trip has to climb on top of the warp core to do a manual shutdown, and then it all explodes. Travis can't control the helm anymore, and it, it flies. The Enterprise just flies into like a weird field cloud thing, and Trip. He's lying unconscious in sick bay, and I like like the small touch where they actually had like dust and stuff from the explosion landing on his face. It's a small detail, but one I appreciated. Why is the emergency shut off there for action scenes? <laughs> I just can't help but feel that this is a poorly designed engine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was partly designed by Archer's dad, so oh, that's right. He was probably poking his big face around somewhere <laughs> other, wasn't he? <laughs> what's wrong? What's wrong with the decision that they made about this show? There's nothing wrong with the decision they made about this show. It's fine. Where the button is for the thing doesn't matter, right? It's fine. I don't know, <laughs> Elliot. You sound so beaten. <laughs> I don't know what to think anymore. I kind of like this episode, but I hated parts of it. I feel like Trip's <laughs> statement when he says, "These feelings aren't my own." <laughs> <laughs> No, he's figured out he's a clone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and what I was going to say about the dust landing on Tripp's face as well, when you brought that up, that reminded me of that Mm. scene in The Lighthouse when Willem Dafoe's getting buried. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. (laughs) You don't know why or how it ends. It doesn't like that could could or could not be his final moments. You don't know. Uh, Yeah, they're just having a lovely day on the beach, and he's like, hey, (laughs) Batman, I can't remember your real name. (laughs) Arr. You'll never be a rookie unless you bury me in the sand. That's that's the way out. There's a Godspeed, Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, there's now stuff in the engines and the Enterprise is stopped in this cloud and, yeah, shit's forming on the Enterprise. And if they can't get out of the cloud then the Enterprise is just going to stop working and they'll all die. Yeah, and they can't even send Malcolm outside with a shovel. It's it's too too hard for the shovel. Yeah. The shovel won't do it. And Malcolm doesn't have any other tools because he fucked them all. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> do you know what I wish? I wish the Enterprise had like an AI personality that could talk back to them. What would it say? It would say, don't, put, don't let Malcolm touch me. Don't let Malcolm touch me. <laughs> yeah. Stranger danger, stranger danger, and all them is touching my engine parts. That's what we'd be saying. <laughs> Trip's in a coma, and Archer's like, but we need Trip. He's the only one that can fix the engines. And Flock says, well, you've got a whole team of engineers. And Archer goes, yeah, but they're shit. <laughs> they're just for show. Uh, Captain, we're standing right here. <laughs> yeah, and you're really shit. Go away. You should be in the engine room. <laughs> None of the Why didn't they just take another good engineer? Surely there was one. Nope, Trip was the only one. That's what happens when you hire your best friend instead of like somebody who is competent. Well, I mean, Trip is competent, but like someone sort of said, Archie, do you want another really good engineer? He's like, no, I just want my best friend to come with me. It'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Space isn't dangerous. Or it was that surface level of like, no, nah, there's, li- there's literally not a better engineer than Trip, so it's fine. And it's like, okay, but well, what if he gets incapacitated? What if I caught the the night and hit both of his hands with a hammer? <laughs> <laughs> well, i tell you what they'll do if he gets incapacitated, Elliot. Phlox will grow a clone from his magic clone beans. <laughs> Where were these when other people died? <laughs> <laughs> no one important enough has died yet for these to be brought up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
basically, Flox conveniently has a creature, uh, some kind of like Saurian or whatever desert larvae, which is like, yeah, if you put some DNA in it, it turns into a clone of that thing and will die in a few days after. But I can make a clone of Trip and get the cells I need from it and make Trip be fine, and then it'll just die so we won't have to have two Trips running around. <laughs> it's the perfect plan. To flocks. This is just one of those foam dinosaurs that you pour water over and they get big. like <laughs> A sea monkey. <laughs> yeah, it's basically yeah. a sea monkey, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... Part of me was like, this is fucking stupid. But then the other part of me was like, to be fair, this isn't what the episode is about. You can have your magic clone beans to just get onto the real story. That's fine. Yeah, I, I thought the pretty much the same thing. I was like, okay, well, you know, as usual, the frame surrounding this picture is bullshit. But if I zoom in and ignore the frame, there is a lot that they can do with this premise. So let's see if they bother to go down the rabbit holes that you could with this premise. It reminded me a lot of the video game Soma. You guys probably don't know about that, but it deals a lot with transferring consciousness and stuff like that and all the moral questions that come with that and the ambiguity. It's very interesting. So I was curious whether they'd actually go down that rabbit hole in this episode, and I'm glad that they kind of did. I will have you know I have heard of that game, but knew nothing about it except the title. (laughs) I don't know anything. (laughs) Matt, it's like Dragon Ball Z. Oh, (laughs) You'll never be a good wiki with this Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Flock says, so yeah, I could do the clone thing. And Archer's like, I guess. Well, let's do it. So Flock makes a baby. And (laughs) you can tell that he can't wait to eat that baby either. (laughs) (laughs) It's a shame we haven't let him go full term, Captain. It looks quite delicious as it is. Yeah. So this this baby goes full term and then is just sort of lying in a incubator thing and Archer and Apollo are there and Flock says, I'm gonna feed the baby. And Archer and Apollo look rightly weirded the fuck out. Both of them are stood there going, What is happening? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate that what what is happening in that scene is Flox is showing attachment and Topol and Archer are going, um, that's a little worrying. We're, we're basically <laughs> going to harvest parts of it to save one of our crew members. That's the entire point. And now he's getting attached and okay. Well, you want to name it? Okay, sure. Oh boy, this is going to be a whole <laughs> episode again. <laughs> and Flox is like, you're fond of me lobster, ain't you? I see that you're lobster. <laughs> this is basically the pinchy episode of The Simpsons, isn't it? Where Homer has <laughs> and then he eats it. <laughs> you do realize that in that funeral at the end, that there's just his head that's left, and it's a mannequin body because <laughs> dined upon the rest of him, like fucking Hannibal, like Matt Mickelson's Hannibal. Like it's just like he's eaten his whole arm. Before, like, they chase him out of sick bay with a broom. <laughs> you know, if you cook it in foil, it becomes soft and juicy. Mm. <laughs> anyway, Flox names the baby Sim. Yeah, he names him after the actor John Sims. <laughs> I assumed it was short for simulation, because he's not a real boy. Yeah, I did too. What's this episode called again? Similitude. Similitude. Well, it's named after that then, isn't it? 
I think the episode came first. <sighs> Are you trying to make a chicken egg joke, Matt? No. I was. I failed, though. I couldn't think of it. i tell you what we could do, though. I could. Hark, Triton, hark, bellow, bid our father the sea king rise from the depths full foul of his fury. All right. I like your cooking. <laughs> oh, my God. We would mix. We should do. Patrick, would you direct Elliot and I in the lighthouse? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't have yeah. to be in it. Absolutely, I fucking will. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, I don't want to play Robert Pattinson's character. I have to throw shit off a cliff. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be a play, it'll be make-believe, it's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, it'll be, it'll like... be like chocolate spread, Nutella. Oh, okay. that's going to be messy. It's going to freak people out when I walk off stage licking my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the lighthouse is weird, but nobody licks shit off their fingers. Joke of the spread. I'm so glad the lighthouse has been brought into this. <laughs> oh. Anyway, Sim learns to read. Hoshi teaches him to read, and he's like, hey, I remember this book because my mum read it to me, and Flock is like, oh, fuck, he's getting Trip's memories as he gets older. That could be a problem. Why they, I mean, I get why they didn't, but I would have just lied to him. <laughs> I'd have just been like, yeah, yeah, Trip is dying, so we're growing you to replace him. Oh, you have to have a routine operation. And then just be like, cut his brain out, and then kill him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's a very me thing to do, Matt. But I mean, obviously, I'm with you because of that. Like, that t- makes a lot more sense and is a lot less dangerous. There's a lot of there's a lot that can go wrong with telling him the truth. I do appreciate the moral side of it. I'm not saying that you definitely shouldn't have done that. It's kind of one of the things that was okay about this episode. I really don't know what I would have done in some of these situations. I I just think I would have lied to him to let him have quality of life. I do think I would have done that as well. Yeah, I think it gives him a better quality of life. You're right. Yeah, I I mean, it's like, it's effectively, we're doing it every day by eating the creatures of the the earth. But um, yeah, you don't tell a cow. (laughs) We're going to kill you tomorrow. (laughs) I feel like though Flox was going to tell him whatever... Oh, yeah, because that makes the meat more tender, probably. <laughs> also, he's a physician. I think they have to be honest with you, don't they? And just cut flocks out with the fucking equation. Like, just he has to come up every couple of days, like, make sure his balls are dropped, whatever. And yeah, just have, like, I don't know, Travis and Hoshi to look after him. They need that. It's like that thing in American schools where they give you an egg to look after for a month or something. They give you a clone of your superior who's older than you to look after for 15 days. Initially, they'd pretend to be his parents, but later they'd pretend to be his groovy housemates. (laughs) But they decide to tell him the truth. They do. The subplot of this episode that we didn't see was that Hoshi and Travis, this entire like caring for the clone thing, was actually going towards their final grade (laughs) that they needed to pass. And then Travis dropped the clone. <laughs> I, I think we should always maybe try and think of what Hoshi and Travis are doing in a particular episode. And I think in this one, they're trying to find a lonely Ensign uh, love in all the wrong places. <laughs> <laughs> their their B-plot that's been cut out of the episode. 
Yeah, it's yeah. just like, because obviously they're doing something, but we don't ever get to see it. Or I just think they're like, come on, Jack, come down to the engine room where we can meet people. And like, there's two people here and they're both men and I'm a, I'm a heterosexual lonely ensign. And they're like, well, we tried our best. I mean, <laughs> I just like the idea that they're trying to do this like normal work thing, like hook two people up and be Cupid. And then fucking Archer comes along and goes, here's a clone, look after it. What? <laughs> Cl- clones, what? <laughs> <laughs> We made a trip. (laughs) They could hook the the lonely ensign up with with Sim, and then nobody tells them that he's going to die in 15 days. Oh, yeah. You get Hugh Grant to be the other guy. (laughs) (laughs) Ensign Grant. I like it. (laughs) Oh, come on. You you don't think Hugh Grant would be good on an episode of Star Trek? Oh, yeah. Waffling his way around. Probably like some kind of Vulcan or something. It makes me think of the ah, oh, which sketch show was it? It was um, Punt and Dennis, where they had a recurring Star Trek: The Next Generation sketch, where Hugh Dennis was Jean Luc Picard, and they once beamed down to the planet of the Hugh Grant people. Oh, no <laughs> I never saw that. I remember the Scottish Star Trek from Chewing the Fat. That was amazing. You ever see that? <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was also rude. <laughs> there was a. 30th anniversary, BBC Two did a Star Trek night, so 1996, and one of the things they had was a a 30-minute thing called Spoof Trek, presented by Alistair McGowan, where he just dove into all the different spoofs that had happened over the years, and there's some really good stuff in there. And also probably some real real crap. Oh, Oh, yeah. Well, I can remember that Chewing the Fat one, which was great, was somebody turning down sex with Commander Data because he was an android and they had a knob. <laughs> and also, do you see there was like Cockneys in space as well, which I think was on like Soccer AM or something, which was absolutely amazing. I'll dig that up to, to send to you because I can't do it justice. Cockneys in space. <laughs> on, they naughty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez! Fire up the punter beam. <laughs> Sim gets to have a go on Archer's radio-controlled spaceship from the pilot episode. To be fair, he has quite a nice short life. He gets to play with a spaceship. He gets to hang out with a dog, eat wherever Flocks cooks for him. Yeah, it's all right as far as real short lives go. Yeah. It's a shame about the company he has to keep some of the time, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Archer's like, oh, you crashed my spaceship. It's broken. It's like it's dead. So guess what we're going to do to you? <laughs> and he, he basically takes him to sick bay and, and Sim says, Oh, I'm not allowed to go in there. And Archie says, I'm allowing you to go in there. Look, it's you as an adult in a coma. And the kid's like, Oh, fuck, that's me as an adult. And I'm in a coma. And they're like, Yep, we grew you to harvest you for parts. There's some weird, like Edward Scissorhandsy kind of music in some of this episode as well. Yeah. Some weird, yeah. like, floaty sort of weirdly gothic music that's like a little bit sinister but at the same time quite light like very danny elfman kind of stuff yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're right it, it fits the tone a bit better because this is a bit more of a complex episode yeah that's probably the da- the most dangerous thing they did to this clone was showing him future trip when he's already expressing i'm getting memories that aren't my own and i'm not entirely sure who i am right now to then show him the future version of himself that's real and then and then like open up all the doors at once just seems like a dangerous move. Yeah, considering he was kind of adolescent as well. 
Yeah, but I mean, whatever. I wasn't Captain Archer was. Did he say he had a dog called Bedford as well at one point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, is there any character called Nathan in the show that we've come across? Oh, not that I remember. The only reason I ask is like, there's weird references to like American Confederate generals in the show, like Admiral Forrest, and he's named after like Nathan Bedford Forrest, who is like the racistest of the <laughs> the Confederate generals. Famously, I think he might even have founded the Klan. <laughs> and I've just—I like, thought, why I thought is Admiral Forrest was named after DeForest Kelly? Well, he probably is, but you know, <laughs> people also know the real world. <laughs> and now the true Edford Forrest going on dichotomy thing going on in here just made me think of "It's a Wonderful Life" and Bedford Falls. I guess so. Yeah, that was probably named after fucking Bedford Forrest as well. Jesus, probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sim takes the news quite well. He's like, oh, well, that's fine. Can I go fix the model now, please? And then he becomes a late teenager, and he goes and flirts with T'Pol while he's trying to help with engineering, and T'Pol is like, no, just no. Yeah, well, I mean, that's going to happen, isn't it? She's literally one of the only two women he's probably seen. And the other one is basically a surrogate mother, so... Yeah, she's treating him like he's an egg. (laughs) (laughs) Putting him under a warm light. (laughs) <laughs> boiling him and slicing the top of his head off <laughs> stay in your cup <laughs> him on a spoon and running him around the ship <laughs> not, it's not racing anybody it's just <laughs> it's not yeah, egg and spoon practice yeah. that's right I'd call him egg I think that's a pretty funny name for a clone <laughs> fits back into the plot practicing for the big race so that she can get the good grade <laughs> before he's killed and eaten by <laughs> for the ship sports day oh yeah which then gets cancelled because they're on an important mission and Archer's like no we will not have any frivolity here no down, downtime even if I do love water polo and I've flooded one <laughs> of the cargo bays <laughs> that doesn't count as downtime what colour do you think all their PE kits would be? And then what colour do you think the poles would be? Well, everybody would have like either a red or gold or a blue PE kit. And the pole would probably have like a tiny bikini or something with, <laughs> with like little wings on the shoulder to make it look spacey. Like that's what's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, I guess the, the division colours on the uniforms are basically the same as yeah, house colours at school, aren't they? Where you'd have a little badge. Oh, that's yeah. right, yeah. What was the name of your houses in school? Oh, shit. Uh, I was in Berry at one school because they were all named after hills. And then in another school, I was in Tudor because it was all, you know, families from the history this, period. <laughs> this is incredibly alienating to any of our American listeners, I'm sure. But this one's even alienating to our British listeners because I was in House Glyndur, named after the. <laughs> Famous Welsh rebel general, <laughs> which was the coolest one to be in, by the way, of all of the, the houses. I was in Howard. Poor Howard. Yeah, I know. The other what was ones. Howard named after the duck. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other the other houses were like Fitzalan and Arundel. Oh, like it's generic that's... English bullshit. Then that's kind of all castles, I remember. I think, uh, I think those are all English oh. castles. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. And Americans. When you get to college, you have your 
Delta Kappa Pi <laughs> fraternity bullshit. It's the same thing. I don't really fancy a Delta Kappa Pi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, next scene, Sim is Connor Trenier again, because in the previous scenes he's been played by a succession of slightly older children. But now he's Connor Trenier again, and he's in the mess hall with Malcolm, and he's like, hey, Malcolm, I've got an idea. Can you shoot the ship with the phase cannons? And Malcolm's like, fuck yeah, I can. <laughs> What's the matter, Malcolm? Nothing. <laughs> it's just as close as I can get to shooting myself without doing harm. It's also like jizzing over his own chest as well, isn't it? Let's face it. <laughs> Lovely. That one goes out especially to the Woodall family. Yeah. <laughs> Mention Malkin's penis. <laughs> they, they love it when we do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Woody. Um... <laughs> He's talking about the person there, not his penis. <laughs> Uh, Trip's plan is that they blast all the gunk that's congealing on the Enterprise off the shuttle bay doors so they can use the shuttle pods to fly out and pull the Enterprise to safety. Now, so, right? Oh, you're going to bring up the science, aren't you? I'm a little bit, yeah. Those shuttle pods absolutely do have that sort of thrust because effectively, what if, if they didn't, it would imply that the shuttle pods had less output than one of the RCS thrusters on the ship that they used to navigate with, right? So mm-hmm. if the RCS thrusters were working, they would be able to leave the poo cloud. And they definitely can do that because by the time they get the shuttles to do it, they're traveling at, what, like 12 kilometers an hour or something like that, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah, an RCS thruster could absolutely do that. This is absolute horseshit. They're full of shit. <laughs> I mean, there's also the fact that there's no gravity in space, so a man with a road could do it. Yeah, exactly. They could get, like, Travis to tie a rope around the ship and just, like, flap his arms or something. (laughs) (laughs) I had canoned it that there's something in this weird cloud that means there is, like, forces acting against. It it literally is the only answer. But even so, when they actually perform the maneuver to get out, they manage to do it at a speed that an RCS thruster could comfortably do but but sim also has to run it by to paul so he goes to her quarters and he's like hey here's my plan and she's like yeah that's 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 a plan we could do and he's like so i think i like you and i don't know if that's because i like you or trip likes you but someone likes you baby i've got a note here that says clones just need to shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) that's what it was related to probably that Yeah, I liked Connor Trinia's acting in that scene. Actually, yeah. I liked his acting yeah, quite a lot throughout this episode, to be honest. Oh, this is some of his absolute best, I think. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I, I think there was just some, some strong acting from most of the main players here, to be honest. Yeah, so. even even Archer was like, showed a lot of emotion. Yeah, I, I do like that he did effectively the clone version of saying that he liked liked her and then punched her in the arm and ran away. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so that's not going to be awkward. Um, So then Sim goes to Archer and says, I want to fly one of the shuttles. And Archer says, nope, Travis and Malcolm are flying it. And he's like, you just want to keep my brain so that you can put it into trip. And Archer says, That's why I wrote clones need to shut the fuck up, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they do the plan and it works. There's a bit of drama when he's like, oh no, the engines are overloading. But then they don't overload and it's all fine. 
and they fly out of the cloud. And then Phlox goes to Arthur and says, so you know how I said that taking all of the stuff out of Sim's brain and putting it in Trip, Sim would survive and live his natural lifespan? And Arthur says, yes. And Phlox says, yeah, I was wrong. It's going to kill him. Oopsie. And Arthur goes, oh, well, um, we'll do it anyway. Yeah, I, absolutely fine. I would have added, though, don't tell him. Yeah, well, it, it's a bit late for that. He's literally said it himself already. Yeah, he needs to, um, they need to have not told him that. Yeah, so they sit him down and they do tell him that. And seems like, okay, yes, but on this planet where these weird symbiotes that I am a clone from are living, there's a group of rogue scientists who think they've extended the lifespan. And Flock says, yeah, but no. I also want to talk about, is it the scene the scene before this where Archer and Phlox, where Archer's talking about how the reason uh, when Phlox says, are you willing to kill him? And he's like, yes, because I need Trip. Need Trip for the mission. There's nothing else matters. And that's his like whole reasoning for going going through with the plan. Uh, yeah. It's like the first time that I've seen more than like two layers of depth to Archer's character. And it was pretty cool. It's the first time that I've seen... It doesn't make him a good captain, but it's the first time I've seen his character go like through something that like might alter him as a person. I think it's a nice way of showing how the mission in the expanse is affecting him. Yeah. And he's... how the longer it goes on, the more the well, the darker he gets effectively. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He, he felt that he really felt desperate. Like he really did feel desperate. And it he was clearly like out of this whole situation room phase in this episode. And onto <laughs> something darker and more serious. The next stage yes. of this madness. Yeah. Yeah. So they've they've told Sim and he doesn't take well, he's like, No, I could live a normal life and Flox is like, No, it's all experimental and I couldn't do it here or something, so we're still gonna kill you. And we sort of then cut to Trip's quarters where Archer finds Sim and he sort of says, You're not supposed to be in here, these are Trip's quarters and then there's the whole argument about is Sim Trip or is he something else? And I thought it was a really good scene. It was. It was really good. It was uh, everything has been pretty well handled so far. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, I mean specifically, I'd say the clone stuff has been handled really pretty well. Oh yeah, the techno babble stuff is always techno babble. The techno babble stuff, any romantic entanglement stuff, bleh. But yeah, like, <laughs> but yeah, this whole clone, you know, morality dilemma thing that they're keeping you in, hooked in pretty pretty well with it. Yeah, and it's this scene where Archer says to Sim, you know, the mission is is the important thing here. And I think he says, I think it's in this scene that he also says, if we weren't in the Expanse, I would not have authorised Flox to do this. Right, yeah. Because we are, I had to, that's why you exist, and I'm. you need to do what you were made to do. Yep. And Sim says to him, you know, I, I don't think you'll murder me. And Archer just says, I will, <laughs> if I have to. I've murdered quite a few people. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Sim ends up agreeing to sacrifice himself to save Trip. And he he wanders around. He he goes to engineering and says, Oh, I'd just like to do something, you know, be useful for my last few hours. So Topol gives him a job. But he doesn't do that job. He reroutes the controls for the launch bay 
which the bridge finds out. Malcolm's like, uh-oh, someone's rerouted this and I can't shut it down. No, she says, there's someone in there. And Archer's like, who? And I'm saying to the screen, who do you think? <laughs> it's like, have you been watching this episode, Jonathan? <laughs> but Archer goes down to the launch bay and just finds Sim leaning on the shuttle pod. And he says he couldn't do it. I was all ready to do it. What stopped you? Where the hell was I going to go? We're nowhere near any habitable planet. Didn't really want to spend the rest of my life floating around a shuttle pod. Which doesn't even have any toilet facilities. Can you imagine a lousier way to spend your old age? Cooked up in that thing? Peeing in a bottle? Actually, I can't imagine a worse fate. What would that be? Being stuck in there with Malcolm. This is a screwed up situation. I can't argue with you there. A lifetime in eight days. It's not that I'm scared of dying. It's just that I can't imagine not being here tomorrow. You wanna know what really stopped me? What? My sister. And she was my sister as much as Trips. I believe that. I don't want what happened to her to happen to anyone else. That's why I gave the order to create you. Apparently there's no toilets on those shuttle yeah. pods, so what the hell were, were Tripp and Malcolm doing when they spent like several days in one, just the two of them? I think oh, yeah. I, I did did mention this at the time, you know? Yeah. 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 If you're going to cover the, the shuttle pod in shit, maybe Malcolm is the person to take. <laughs> Do you know what I just thought of? They are so lucky that this all happened and they had to clone Trip and not Malcolm because there's no way that Malcolm's clone would have sacrificed himself to save himself. <laughs> I don't know. Would it have inherited Malcolm's hero slash sacrifice yeah, complex? Yeah, it would have, been, it would it would have, have been suicidal. Life and gone, Kill me now! Exactly, it would have been suicidal, and it would have taken them everybody down with him and blown up the ship. Yeah, it would have been, it's just been like little Malcolm going, Captain, I'm ready to die now. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, son. We have to grow you a little more. Likely <laughs> more of your brain. Oh, <laughs> every moment I'm alive is pain. <laughs> his child Malcolm the new goblin Malcolm <laughs> I hope not my voice can't go that high anymore <laughs> but Sim and Archer have a nice conversation and Sim says oh no I can think of one thing worse than being forced to live my last few days in the shuttle alone Malcolm being there <laughs> he genuinely <laughs> says that yeah and I I like it as a little nod to Shuttlepod 1, the episode, and I like it because I agree with him. Yeah, I mean, everybody was like, mm, yeah, yeah, he's kind of right. <laughs> but there's there's some nice stuff about him going, you know, I thought about Tripp's sister, and we're doing this mission so that what happened to her didn't happen to anyone else, and i got to do this so that Tripp can survive and save everybody. So, okay, let's do it. It was another really nice scene, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, they're, they're extremely lucky that the clone was as positive about this experience as it was. 
but uh, but yeah, like it was it was all right. Yeah, yeah. So he goes to wait in his quarters, and Archer lets him play with Porthos for a bit, and then Topol turns up to say goodbye and gives him a big old kiss. Yeah, a big sloppy logical kiss. <laughs> <laughs> You never had such a logical kiss. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, the angle was correct, and the, I don't know the amount of tongue, the ratios. It was, yeah, probably all right. I mean, usually this, I would balk at this kind of thing. We're like, yeah, whatever. The clone's gonna die, and the Paul's obviously got weird feelings brewing for Trip. So <laughs> this might as well happen. <laughs> I mean, it's also the fact that she now pretty much knows how Trip feels about her, but yeah. he doesn't know that she knows. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit But friends. also, she has snogged him before he snogged her. Mm. Yeah, true. So there we go. There's a lot of interesting dynamics here that probably won't be exploited too much, but... Yeah. I mean, at, this, at the moment, I'm thinking about that film Never Let Me Go. You know that film? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know that. It's, um... I don't know who directs it. It's... Oh, crap, I can't remember the name of the author of it. <laughs> is it an early noughties film, isn't it, about a girl who's dying and uh, having a last few days? Yeah, it's about, like, kids at a school, and they may be clones, and they may be being clones oh, for a specific reason. I'm thinking of a different film with a similar title that is a, a girl's last day and she, or last few days, and she's just making peace with her friends. Isn't that um, something in The Dying Girl? No, that's a different film again. Okay. Is the one you were thinking of, is it? It's one of the Japanese authors, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, Kazuo Ishiguro. That's is, it. Is the that's of it. it. It's like a weird sort of like dystopian film. It's actually, it's, it's very, very good. But um, yeah, yeah the, I, I started to get these kind of vibes from it, from this episode as well. Yeah. Yeah. So Sim goes to sick bay and he says to Flox, look, I don't just have Trip's childhood memories. I have my childhood memories. And you were a damn good father. And Flock says, you're going to be a damn good meal. And Sim goes, excuse me? And Flox goes, you were a damn good son, I said. Why are you wearing a bib? <laughs> Do you know, I, I was curious to see what would have happened if they let that clone keep growing past the age that Trip reached. Would it have gained future memories that Trip never even had? Or would it just have stopped? Would the, would the, like, the feed have cut off and he would no longer be just gaining anything from Trip after that? I think that. I think it would have just started its own memories. Yeah, that'd be a cutoff point for trip stuff. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I th I feel like that that is what should happen. But I feel like in Star Trek logic, he would get future trip memories. No, he didn't have those brain worms Archer had a few weeks ago. So, I, I why why would that need to? Any bullshit sentence can throw away why he's getting future trip memories. If it's I don't know, it feels like something that would happen. Yeah. What are we kept the trip Doctor Who? No. <laughs> <laughs> so sim walks over to trip and says you owe me one and then we cut back to the funeral where we see everyone who was there before only now we pan past and trip is also there and i imagine freaked out and fucking confused yeah, no, he, he explained it to him he's just like woken out of his coma and gone for a walk around the ship and he's like oh man i'm a ghost I <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> saw my dead body lying next to me. Now it's in this torpedo. Can someone just tell me what's happening? I'm freaking out. I like uh, the idea that he does that and genuinely thinks, "Oh, what the hell? I'm a turn of a ghost. 
I should go ask the pilot for advice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they fire the torpedo that sims in out into space and the episode ends. And yeah, I, I thought it was good. I liked it. Yeah. I, I honestly, when, when we mentioned it last week, I had vague memories of it and I thought I wasn't going to enjoy it. So I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, usually I'm like a little bit turned off by the random, like weird clone morality episodes of Star Trek, like the Thomas Riker one or the Two Vix one. Usually, I just like get just get on with it, just like kill the duplicate version and never mention it again. But yeah, I actually quite enjoyed this one. You know, I I obviously didn't enjoy last week, and there's a factor of that is that I know that you say you really like the episodes where they end up going back to like a a civil a modern day, you know, in air quotes, you know, they go to the 80s or the 70s or the 90s or something, and have to deal with modern day stuff. And for me, that can be great as long as the characters are great. But the greatest thing about this show is its setting, not its characters. So when you take the setting away, it it detracts a lot for me. But this was a pure sci-fi story. You know, it dealt with morally ambiguous questions that humans don't get to deal with. And the characters had some progression because of those situations that they were put in. Not just because someone wrote, oh, he's mad at aliens and now he's not. Like, it's it's a little more than that in this episode. Um, and you can really yeah. feel it yeah. through the performances and the writing. Both of them. Yeah. So... I, it's, yeah. it's definitely a, a solid episode of Star Trek. And funny that you mentioned the writing, Elliot, because Manny Koto, who wrote it, becomes the main showrunner for the next season. Interesting. For season four. That is one of the reasons people hold season four up, is Berman and Braga sort of stepped back a bit and Manny Koto takes over the running of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. So, yeah, there's there's the promise. But, yeah, I think, I think it's great. I think the, uh, Archer's development and growth into a sort of darker figure you know it's it's an episode about a clone of trip but it is also really archer and topol have some real moments and development in it too that i i appreciate so yeah and not not a lot but everyone gets something to do travis has more than one line yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh she i don't think has much to do but probably the least yeah she's there she's there right we know that she has at least a, a couple of good episodes in her coming up yeah, yeah. So, yeah, another solid episode of Star Trek. That's three for three so far, unless you're Elliot, uh, for the last three episodes. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have hit that turning point. I mean, I'd be willing to accept that it was purely personal taste that I didn't like the past episode, but I also think that my my gripes that I said, I don't, I wouldn't die on a hill, but I do kind of stand by some of the things I said last episode. Maybe just not the tone I said them with. <laughs> No, I think I think that if you don't like westerns, you won't enjoy the episode. Is fair because I've actually had the same comment. Uh, Andy Frankham Allen uh, spoke to him this morning, and yeah, he agreed with you. He's like, I don't like westerns either, so I hate that episode. So yeah, which is just going to be a byproduct of when they do that kind of thing, how they do it, and where it is, and yeah, yeah, I get it. Same same thing can happen with Doctor Who, you know, like so. Oh yeah, absolutely, and. The one thing about Star Trek over Doctor Who in these situations is it's very rarely the literal time it's supposed to be at. So they can be a bit tongue-in-cheek and they can be a bit tropey. When Doctor Who does it and you actually believe that they're supposed to be in the times that they go to, you're like, nah. (laughs) Sure. 
suspend my disbelief. The Gunfighters, which is the William Hartnell Western story, is fucking awful. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. The one thing that, the one hill that I will die on, however, is uh, to Paul's lie. And Matt, I did my homework. So, oh, yes! Uh, the first example of a TV show where a character lies convincingly, specifically from New Who onwards, Doctor Who, every time Doctor introduces himself to somebody new in an episode, he says John Smith, usually quite convincingly, and then moves the conversation on immediately onto the reason that he's actually there. And the character that he's talking to often responds with a little bit of suspicion on, okay, but at least they go along with the Darren Brown mindfuckery that he's doing. Okay. I respect this. Example number two, Breaking Bad, Walter White. Lies the yeah. fuck out of every episode. His entire identity is basically a lie. Jesse Pinkman also does a lot of lying in that show. And the identity of, is it Gus, is also a lie. He is literally a walking lie. I, I think with like actual good shows that the lying, like, you know, if you see The Wire, there's an incredible amount of lying going on in The Wire as well. But, you, I'm sorry, did you, you, did you, you didn't specify you wanted me to find bad TV shows with good <laughs> examples of lying. No, I, I mean like TV shows where there's a level of like reality removed. For example, like a soap opera or like a, a comedy or or, or or genre TV show, you see more of those shorthands in there. But, like House, yeah. where everybody's lying all the time in every episode. I'm actually going to come out in defense of T'Pol's lies in that episode here. I thought about this after we finished recording last week. There are many times in my life where I've been telling the truth and I put stupid pauses in and sound like I'm lying because yeah. my brain cannot remember basic words yeah, and the language I've been speaking my entire life. I find if I know that the other person wants to catch me out in a lie, even if like what I'm saying is the truth, I will sound like I'm lying. <laughs> I want to see acknowledged on the screen. <laughs> okay, well, do you know what? I don't have as much of a problem with her delivery as the character's reaction to it. Like, if the character had at least with just a teeny sliver of suspicion gone, all right then, as he handed them the horses, I would not have as much of a problem with this. Oh, he was too busy dancing with his new harmonica. Yeah, that, that, also, that guy was an imbecile. Like, that's... Yeah. <laughs> But we're talking about North Star again. Uh, do we have anything else to say about similitude? No. I, I, no. Yeah, you pretty much both have said exactly how I feel about this episode. I think it was a bit of a cut above. I was very surprised that it was a cut above because, like you, Peach, I did not remember this being a good episode. Mm. Well, let's hope the run continues. Our next episode is Carpenter Street. Carpenter Street. Are they finally going to meet Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> so I think the chances of the strong run are continuing because the next episode is a Berman Braga temporal Cold War episode. So oh, it's going to no. be good. Oh, no. <laughs> if I was going to damn with faint praise, I remember this being my favourite temporal Cold War episode. <laughs> This is your favourite lump of shit in a box of shit. <laughs> oh, I, I actually remember this episode. It's probably going to annoy Elliot, but yeah, I, I think there's some, I vaguely remember there being some good bits in this. Yeah. Yeah, let's say everybody go in with really low expectations and we might be pleasantly surprised Hooray. at the point. Yeah, that's how I function <laughs> on this show. <laughs> 
So we will be back next week to discuss Carpenter Street. Uh, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate you spending time with us on a weekly basis, or however often you do it. Some people might re-listen to these for some reason. I don't know why. Sometimes I need to go to sleep at night, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I have at least five podcasts I can do that with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all episodes of this shit. Well, I mean, have you ever tried to go to sleep listening to your own voice? No, it's no. very, very disconcerting. <laughs> uh, if you do enjoy the show, if you could please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice, especially Apple Podcasts, that really does help the show out. As does if you are so inclined and and have the means to do so, donating to our coffee account. Links for that are in the description. Uh, we recently had another donation from Gary, so thank you again, Gary. You don't know how much we appreciate that. That is genuinely amazing to us. It, it is excellent. And it all goes, obviously, towards Elliot, Elliot's anime conversion therapy. <laughs> He's going to get those big eyes. He's going to get big, giant eyes, yeah. And, green hair. <laughs> and a schoolgirl outfit. Oh, <laughs> Battle Angel Elliot. Uh... <laughs> no, oh. I'm going to be Full Metal Alchemist Elliot. Full Metal Elliot. <laughs> Full metal red boy. <laughs> I feel like we're straying into dangerous territory here, so let's just wrap up and say bye, everyone. Bye. bye.